0: Good evening, and welcome to our show. Thanks for joining the Cherry Ice Cream Smile Podcast, a place where friends who just happen to be Durannies get together to talk about our love of music, pop culture, concerts, and of course, our favorite boys, past, present, and future. Hi, this is
1: Suzanne. I'm Jody. Hi, this is Stephanie. Hi, this is Diana. Mr. Cherry Ice Cream Smile, January 10th, 2021. We are back and recording virtually. We'll hang out right now. A very spectacular event that we were able to share in together, which was the celebration of David Bowie's life, uh, which we will be talking about on this episode. We appreciate you sticking with us. It is a new year. We're pretty excited about the potentials that could occur this year. So thanks for being with us. Um, I'm going to speak right now just for myself. Um, none of us have talked about this yet. It is something that's weighing very heavy on me, and I need to make sure that I can clear my own content. As a teacher, a cultural geographer, and a U.S. citizen who believes in democracy, I do not come into this recording lightly. So please don't confuse my participation today with apathy or uncaring about the events that took place on January 6th in our nation's capital. I'm here to honor my commitment to this project to create new content that will provide a brief escape for all of us. After all, Duran Duran has always been my escape from difficult times. And as Mike Garson reiterated during the Bowie celebration, music is healing. So let's begin. Ladies, what do you think? Well, I would concur with what you're saying. Jody, um, (laughs)
2: you're welcome I mean definitely we are are all U.S. citizens U.S. citizens here and we're horrified um, with the actions of this week and I know that before we decided to record today we actually were deciding if it was appropriate or not but I think that with the um, Bowie celebration um, that happened last night I felt like it was definitely a healing agent and we we definitely realized that it doesn't take away from the events of this past week but um, you know hopefully uh, it will bring you know the conversation about the events that happened last night um, the live stream will will uh, take your mind off things for a little while
1: not only is music healing but the music between us right
2: absolutely and oh, yeah. oh my gosh like what an amazing
3: event it was last night. Oh, my gosh. It was so fantastic. It was pretty amazing. And they were just sort of glanced at the lineup. And obviously, knowing you know our voices were going to be there. And I, I just, like I said, I glanced. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to be good. When it actually was coming on and the, the artist, the next artist, the next artist, was like, wow. Okay. That. Is Gary Oldman, and he is about you know, and it was it was it was really it was great, and and the songs that the artists perform, I think were it was just a perfect alignment and synergy of, of artists and songs and talent and the feeling. I I, I have to be honest, I, I haven't I haven't felt that way in, in, in a while, and especially this past week, I, which was very very dark, and and to have a little bit of that levity was really it was it was perfectly timed and. And I think I'm safe to say that we were all crying at the, at the end of it. For <laughs> Absolutely.
1: It was very cathartic. And Sandra Day, I oh, can't remember her name, Hill, the two doing Under Pressure. Oh. That's one of my favorite songs of all time. And I think that was the best version of Under Pressure I've ever heard. I, was, I had chills. It was so fantastic. I, I agree with you. I, for that chunk of time, I was in that world. I wasn't in the real world. And I've been in the real world for a long time because everything is being affected by what's going on around us. And music was not working for me at all. My, my escape was done. I thought I was never going to have a way to get away. But last night kind of showed me again that that's not true. Despite the fact that the band came on first, Duran Duran came on first, and my laptop wasn't ready, and I was like, oh, I'm missing it! I, I sat and watched the entire three hours and enjoyed every thing of it.
0: And I'm just going to have to jump in and say, unfortunately, I couldn't watch it because I haven't had a job for the past several months because 2020 sucks and really didn't feel like I could spend the money to, to do that. So, I have been able to see the Durand Durand performance. I think it was a pirated version that I saw earlier today. So, if some of our viewers didn't get to go see it, keep watching on the internet. I'm sure that some of these fantastic performances will be happening. The download for the five years is also readily available for everyone to hear as well. You know, I want to hear more about what y'all thought about the show last night, but unfortunately, I couldn't see it in real time, but I'm looking forward to seeing it when it shows back up in other iterations.
2: Well, since this was a, you know, like a a production that we really didn't know what to expect with everything, you know, happening. And especially since there was the 24-hour delay, you know, as everybody knows, it was supposed to to, uh, go live on January 8th on David Bowie's actual birthday, but was delayed for 24 hours, so we didn't quite know what to expect. But, oh, my gosh, the sound and the visual and the production value, I was just so impressed. And I know Dee just touched on this, but, you know, just the quality of sound. I, I mean, just the array of artists, different artists from different backgrounds. And maybe, you know, they sing a song and you're like, I would have never imagined this particular artist or actor, because um, Michael C. Hall was there performing the song, but it just worked so seamlessly. I was so, yeah, it was so so impressed everybody's performance so congratulations Mike Garson and team really yeah. nice studios everybody involved I mean just applause 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 just so much to be proud about and you know that actual show I know I understand he's been doing it for the past couple of years and obviously could do it this year uh, or last year, but um, Jody didn't. I mean, the show rolled through Austin and you got to see it a couple of years
1: back. It was uh, 2019, I guess, maybe February, March of 2019 and carol one of our Durani friends and i were going to go see charlie sexton because we love him and i know Dee does too we were talking about that last night we wanted to go see charlie and um i ended up going without her she actually uh, had another commitment she had to deal with that night but um I sat in the third row in the Paramount Theater downtown Austin and watched Mike Garson play piano throughout the entire show, which was another two-and-a-half, three-hour event um, with Corey Glover from Living Color. And, of course, Charlie Sexton was up there, and I got to see one of Charlie's kids for the first time in many, many years. And, looked just like his dad, Bernard Flowers, the, the man with the hat and the lovely uh, dreads. He was he just His voice is so fantastic and others that I can't even remember who all I saw. But I I remember that night. I remember that show. I remember feeling this camaraderie with all the people that were around me. Everyone was singing along to all. Um, um Corey Glover got down in the crowd and was rolling around and doing all his crazy stuff. He's just fantastic too. But yeah, I was really glad to have done that. And it actually made what we watched in this very different environment, very different format last night a fuller experience because I kinda knew what to expect, but I also was so blown away with the production and how they technically made these things work for three hours with zero glitches. There was not a single moment of hesitation in technology or anything as to how they put this together. I was absolutely blown away. It was just a magical kind of experience to be able to do that again. And we didn't know the
2: lineup, so <laughs> we yeah. were just all locked in, and we were actually like all like messaging each other on <laughs> Messenger, like, "Okay, are you logged in? Are you logged in? Are you logged in? Okay, we're ready to go." And then right out of the
3: gate, there they were. Right. Like, I When <laughs> I introduced them, I, I just my heart sank, and that hasn't happened in a long time, and it was like, yes. Yeah. I, I just I'm not expecting that at all for them to right be first. out of the gate yeah out of the gate and
2: so so it was like it's like they took your breath away yeah um, you know just like at a live show because it is so long it was so good to see all of them to- together even though I know that they technically may not have all been together. <laughs> um, just to- them and then of course it was like I mean you know when we heard five years um, the audio of it um, a couple of days ago before the show I mean just being blown away not only by another another great Bowie cover just oh, God, Simon's voice. It sounds incredible. Oh, it's so good.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, and it—you know—today I went and listened to uh, Bowie's version from 1970, it was the Duran version back to back, and they're very true. They're very true to the arrangement, even at the very end with the drum beat and stuff. It was very similar, and I—and I, I was impressed. But it, I mean, it, it had their layer on it. It had mm-hmm. the Duran, Duran, the lush. It was very lush and his version was much more stripped back but I was really impressed how it, how it was very true to the original but it still had their personality on it as well Stephanie oh. when you're talking about you know they were all together I mean we're pretty sure John's still in LA right so he was virtually CGI'd in with them do we have any insight on how they put it together has anyone heard anything about that no not yet
2: I'd be interested to, to, to hear a little bit about the behind the scenes of it but um, like visually it yeah. looked like they were all in the same room. It was fantastic in the colors. And of course the fashion that came out slaying <laughs> and I uh, <laughs> had
3: a no, was like um,
0: I, Did you notice his shoes? Yes. I noticed John's shoes because so that's all I could see with the other white shot. <laughs> well <laughs> and then
2: just like the dynamic of the Bowieism into each of their outfits, and so yeah. I don't know if you kind of were, were like paying attention when we went back and looked at it again, kind of trying to see the different detail which stayed true to each band member. John, you know, had the Bowie element and his sneakers. And of course, Nick was, you know, bringing the full odd look. You know, Roger had it in, in the sleeve, and then Simon mm. with the fantastic jacket. And then, of course, my next question is, okay, like, hey, is this did like Jeffrey design this? Was this Anthony Price? Like, I want to know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I want
2: to yeah. know who designed these outfits. And, and Together
3: so well, it was just like it always does, right, with their looks. Yeah. And, and just, the
0: girls, it, the girls look beautiful. Yeah, and the they, they all had the eye and then we of course Nick had. His very traumatic eyes.
3: So there was a lot of, of, of thinking going on that's too. It. Like the, the graphics and everything and the background. Yeah, it was the colors. Perfect. colors was mm-hmm. it was perfect. It was so crisp and tight and it was just beautiful. It was visually dunny. beautiful.
0: Stunning. Well and, every and then it's, time you
3: uh, had Tiger Baby.
0: Yes. And that yes. was so <laughs> <good>. Every <laughs> Dranny on Facebook was like, Is that Tiger Baby? Is that the Tiger <laughs> Baby? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: cannot, I Which is kind of like appropriate yes. that Tiger Baby made an appearance uh, you know, in the show and then today in Austin, Texas, it was actually snowing. And so <laughs> if you yeah. if you know anything about anything, you realize what kind of connection I just made about the
0: Tiger Baby Definitely. and no would
1: you, would you like to fill? Would you like to fill in for any of
0: our newish fans? Any details on Tiger Baby?
2: and So Tiger Baby, for me, and I think for you guys as well, whenever I see that, I'm instantly taken back to see Blue Silver. And so as soon as I as soon as I saw Tiger Baby, I was like instantly back in that scene when Simon's doing the interview, and he's like, it's a Tiger Baby.
3: <laughs> so I don't know. I like, what
1: is what is, what, is, what is what is that time on Simon's necklace that he says yeah. Yeah. Tiger Baby?
0: <laughs> and then and then Nick is Nick's in the, the limo. Is he in the limo looking out the window about the snow? Uh, so <laughs> yeah. So I was like, Oh my
2: gosh, is the English Silver full circle this weekend? How fantastic it was actually snowing in
3: Austin, Texas yeah. today. So i so snowing so. and a yeah. a look on his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay,
1: just to go back to the shoes for a minute, I was I I don't enjoy a show in person if I can't see the artist, and that's just a thing with me. It's weird, I know. But it wasn't until today when I rewatched the Duran portion of the Bowie celebration that I noticed Nicholas is wearing black suede platforms. Did you see this? I, I didn't realize that they were platforms. Yeah, I didn't I didn't
2: know, know
1: that was platforms. Platform. They're like so six inch sh- platforms, like. It's crazy cool he's So I would
2: imagine that obviously was a nod to Ziggy Stardust, um, since that, um, since five years for the don't know, five years the first song off the uh, 1972 album of The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and The Spider from Mars. It yes. is the title track of that album. And so I would imagine that's definitely uh, why he was wearing those shoes.
1: Let me tell you a little more about Nicholas and David Bowie. My parents would often watch Top of the Pops with me as they were quite turned on by knowing what was going on in the charts. And I remember they actually liked Bowie. They liked him so much they took me to see him play The Empire Pool at Wembley in London, 1976 on the Station to Station Tour. Not once, but twice. I'd become such a fan and he had become such a focus of what I thought I wanted to do with my life at the time. They were very indulgent of Bowie because this was the person who inspired me and the rest of Durand and most of the rest of the British industry that exists now to do what we all chose to do. I told my parents when I was 10 that I wanted to be a rock star when I grew up Which they laughed off and said, yes, well, that's very nice, darling, but let's not talk about it now. But when I was still saying it at 14, it was a little more worrisome for them. And he goes on to talk about how he started playing guitar and all that. But the man was 10. And his parents were taking him to see Dave Bowie. And last night, on January 9th, 2021, he's still dressed in the full-on bell-bottom pants and platforms with the the androgynous makeup and all this fantasticness that was going on. And I cannot tell you how much more of a connection I felt to this band because of that. They're honoring their people (laughs) as we are honoring them in this way. And it, it was just, so awesome to see that. Yeah, so that yeah.
2: album, you know, the fact that they are covering five years, that album that came out in 1972, which is uh, the year the that title, I was born. The package that started. Yeah, in 1972, and I was actually born on January 8th, 1972. Give it Bowie is my birthday twin. Hello. But I was thinking about that last night, the fact that at that time, you know, Simon was 14, John and Roger were 12, Nick was 10. And David Bowie was 25 when he wrote that song and kind of like, you know, really um, diving into the song this past week, once we found out when, you know, this was the song that they were going to be doing and releasing as a single, I started diving into the lyrics, especially like with, you know, these last events of the past week in the United States. I just was like, oh my God, this song could have been written today. And that song was written the year that I was born. It was really, it just goes to show you that David Bowie's work is timeless. Oh, I wrote down
1: prophetic, Bowie and
3: interesting because mm-hmm. that album is it, telling the story of Stardust, right? So it's starting out with setting the date, mm-hmm. right, of you know that, of, of what's going to happen. At the same time, though, it's still timely because of, right, it still stands the test of time because of what the lyrics have. You know, yeah. um, let me see, I right read told like, death. Earth was really dying, I cried so much,
1: his face was wet, Then I knew he was not lying. I mean, I, like, all throughout, the whole, the whole thing, but, I've got the older people have lost touch with reality and the kids are left on their own to plunder anything. I mean, whoa, if that's what's yeah. happening right now, my goodness. Um, there's not just that. I mean, Bowie was prophetic no matter what. There's even an interview from the mid-90s where he's talking about how the internet is going to be the thing that changes our lives and how um, scary it's going to be to have that instant image change people's personalities and all this. But he was right on with his prophecy about the internet and stuff. I mean, this song is just a really great example of that, too. I I wonder why they picked this one to do, uh, especially because I watched that. uh, I sent you guys the link to the John Caddy Cafe from 2014, and in that, he talks about how the Ziggy Stardust album is, at that time, was like his favorite album, but he sort of glossed right over five years. And he mentioned the beginning and the end and how he always loved that. And he, he um, one of them have said that about their version that they've recorded. But um, if he didn't make it seem like, at least in that interview seven years ago, that um, this was a song he would have preferred to put out there. Uh, so I'm just wondering if there was a, a purpose, like the literal five years or the connection to the world today. Or like saying, I imagine it was a number
2: of, yeah. I think maybe going forward in the next couple of days, we might, you know, get a little bit of background as to why mm-hmm. uh, they chose that song. Because there's other songs that they've covered. I mean, we know that they've covered Boys Keep Swinging. We know that they've covered Faith. But um, it was interesting to your about the, uh, they've done Rebel Rebel. They've covered uh, John mentioned in the Caddy Cafe from seven years ago with Caddy um, that they to do Suffragette City <laughs> uh, as an encore after Planet Earth. Um, so that'd be interesting to hear as well. Yeah. They, they done, yeah, yeah, they've done a they've done a cover Starman as well. Yeah. So yeah.
0: well, and I mean, on the last tour, we had our New Moon on Monday mash. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, was it, I don't, was it the same concert where Simon did Let's Dance, the one from 2017, where he sang Let's Dance? And I believe it was an earlier version of this concert. Mm-hmm. And he it thought it was really great doing Let's Dance. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, Fame was the first song, that the first David Bowie song that I had listened to, and I thought it was a Duran Duran song. I didn't realize it was a cover, because I was, whatever, 12 years old. So (laughs) when I heard another version of it, I'm like, why is he singing a Duran Duran song? I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) and then I also thought that David Bowie was just the guy in Labyrinth, but you know, (laughs) I did love
1: him. (laughs) I have only seen that recently. I I didn't watch that as a kid. Um, I have David Bowie in my Travel history. We used to have this baby blue wood panel side, you know, Ford Pinto that we would travel from. Where we were living at the time, which could have been anywhere, to my mom's family in South Alabama, and I call them traveling songs, and you'll hear those songs now that you remember from being in the car, you know, and it's dark, and you hear the sound of the wheels rolling, and these songs on their AM radio. Young Americans" was one of those songs that I just knew, didn't know who David Bowie was or anything, didn't care at that time, I was probably nine or ten years old, but um, that that's that's one of my traveling songs. It's just one of those songs that's kind of built into me. And then Fame, of course, I I uh I don't remember connecting the two, but I remember thinking, "Oh, Joanne Brand's doing that song whenever I first heard Fame on the B-side to what was it? Canada. Canada was inside, right? Canada but think to something. I thought right? on the back of Canada. No, oh I think God. you're right. No, I,
0: I think Canada is Canada is a B side of Careless Whisper. <laughs> careless
3: <laughs> Whisper. No, I mean,
0: Careless
3: Whisper
0: is Canada. <Kineda>, I think.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Although we don't we do love us with Wham and George Michael, so yeah, we not do. just like that <laughs> song at all. <laughs> I mean I can see it in my brain and
0: I'm saying the wrong one. You know Uh-oh. it's funny,
2: Jody, you mentioned young Americans and I like, you know, as we're all a certain age and so because I like one of my favorite John it is my favorite John Hughes movie, <gasps> I when I hear young Americans I think of them um leaving for the church at sixteen candles and finding a blog dong on the <laughs>
0: Okay. Yes. Okay. I just, I, I, just, <laughs> I, like I, just looked, I just looked it up. Fame was the B side of Careless Memories, not Careless Whispers. Okay. And it <laughs> was, okay, big. It was the big version i think it was the 12 inch i don't even yeah. know if there was a seven inch on that yeah. uh, and the Canada oh, okay. was on there too i'm not losing my mind one side on the 12 inch was carol's memories and then the b side of that was fame and Canada. Mm-hmm. so there they were together okay sorry okay. <laughs> I will have to say Blue Jean was one of my favorite videos, Friday night videos, since I didn't hit MTV back in the day, and I was fascinated with the makeup. Like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I was like, it's a shadow, but it's his makeup. And I was just
1: like, I thought that was really <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always thought it was cool. He kind of looked like a dean. I know. Yeah. Yeah.
3: After Duran, Bowie was... I think he was my next big thing. And I, I don't, and the next big thing is probably not the right way to say it because it was all at once. And I had, I had posters or I had pictures of Bowie in my room. And I think my best friend and I had, had a picture of him in our locker in high school. And like he just, he was like throughout, he was just there throughout like Durant in it, but in this other, like in a whole different way. I can't even put it words into it. It just, he was just incredible and just, I don't know. I can't, I can't even put it into words. And when, when And we were talking about this last night when Ian Asprey was doing Lazarus, and we started talking about Black Star and just the fact that and I'm getting chills right now as I'm talking about it. I've only listened to that album twice. Yeah, I think it I've only listened out, to it once. And, uh, Yeah, Joey, you were saying you've only listened to it once. It just It's so sad. And and it just makes me so sad. And and it's but it's a beautiful album though, mm-hmm. you know. And, and like all a lot of his albums, it's taking you on this journey and know what's happening. And listening again to John's discussion with Caddy, and he when he's talking about Stardust and, and considering it his perfect album, and he's talking about just what he looks for in an album. it's this journey. And mm-hmm. I, I wrote it down. He said when you want to get up, it gets you up. But you when you want to go down, it takes you down. And and it, I, it, that resonated with me so much and I'd forgotten that he had said that because, and, and it took me to Duran Duran as well where their albums are like that and, and it takes you on this journey and any album, any artist for that matter I I, I look for that as well you know, where you go on this journey and, and it's just this wonderful circle of whatever, of creativity that, it, I, that I just, I, I really, I really love about you know, music and how, what it does and, and everything around it and Bowie was a key even put into words what he was.
1: I was thinking about when Steph was talking about the costumes that they wore, and Simon's jacket was very reminiscent to me of the Mi um, Presidente kind of costume, costume that they wore on stage. And I quote, quote, unquote, costumes, while well, y'all can see me, but whoever we're talking to, see They were touring with Bowie at about that same time. That was close to the Glass Fighters tour. And Bowie was wearing similar costumes. And I felt like that was a nod to that um, that time where they actually got to do their craft with their their mentor. Simon has actually called him uh, a mentor, a creative parent, a mentor, and a friend. Actually, that was John. John said he was a creative parent, a mentor, and a friend. And um, I was just um, thinking about the, co- the, the clothes and that relationship and how somewhere, I've read this somewhere, I've, I've seen Simon say this before that every, almost everything he writes has some kind of nod to David Bowie. And in, in what Duran Duran posted this week about the upcoming celebration, Simon's quote is, I became a songwriter because of him. And that clicked in my brain that I know there are references or allusions to David Bowie's songs uh, in almost everything Simon's written. Um, I can't think of what... Those are off the top of my head right now, except for the easy ones like Planet Earth. Planet Earth is blue and there's nothing I can do, that literal connection there. But there's also these like very soft illusions that um, Simon has just tied into it. So it goes from their their influence or their, their taking of the influence goes from even dressing like him to creating music. And you talking about the albums and how I love how John said, you don't really want to, and it's not the albums where the first song is the one that grabs you and then you don't really listen to the rest of it. But that, that the Ziggy Artist album starts off kind of,
0: and then
1: it gets a lot better with that Moon Age Daydream and um, it ends. Uh, pretty powerfully you're right their Durand albums kind of do the same thing I mean even Rio is the first song on Rio but it's not the it's not the strongest song and that's the weirdest thing for me to say because it's like the song everybody wants to hear all the time but right. to me it's not the danciest or it's not the one with the, the funkiest beat or whatever that comes with hold back the rain which is the last song on that side of the album you know so um, I feel like that he has been the architect. And we've talked about Niall as the godfather and all that. I don't know what we would call David Bowie. What would David Bowie be in this world that has helped create this environment that we still live in today? He's a fairy
0: god. He's also the godfather. It's like a fairy godfather (laughs) instead of a fairy godmother. He's the fairy godfather. The fairy
1: godfather. I don't know. I don't want to to give him the godfather title either because I think Niall really fits that one. (laughs) <laughs> you know, he's well, yeah. did you take a look at uh, JT's playlist
2: of his uh, 28 songs on Spotify yes, yes, um, yes. on David Bowie I love 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 King of the Godfather I love that he chose Jump They Say which is like one of one of you know not a lot of people maybe necessarily are familiar with the Black Tie and White Noise album but it was ironic um, that he picked Jump They Say because I loved that
1: song and it was produced by Niall ah perfect well see yeah. that kind of too. like Niall made Let's dance which was like the, the album for Me of 1983. That video was on MTV every 10 seconds and um, on the radio all the time and Niall had such a big part to do with that well and
0: that, so, that was his most commercially successful album from what I believe for I so. and I have mm-hmm. heard Niall talk about China Girl and was that Stephanie when he did his, his Q&A for us I, I, I've heard him talk about it or maybe it's in his, his autobiography where he actually went in and put it in a minor key so it sounded more like the Chinese music and just that like he worked with David about that he's like let's just change it up a little bit and so he he was, that that mm-hmm. was such a big deal that when he worked with David and then it was so successful, you know, yeah, that's just another tie back. Well, they can have godfathers on both sides. So we have a maternal <laughs> godfather and we have a paternal godfather. <laughs> they
1: can have two. <laughs> I'm going to have to think about that. Well, today is actually the anniversary of uh, David Bowie's death. I remember reading, oh, what was it? Oh, John. John said this week that one of the saddest days of his life was January 10th, 2016. I just keep remembering, Stephanie, you're going to have to fill this in for me because you're the one who had the conversation, but the day Prince died and how we were also affected by that. Um, would you like to revisit what you told Mr. Taylor on that day when we were all grieving <laughs> the day Yeah, um,
2: I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before in the podcast before, but I liter- literally told John that nothing can ever happen to him, that I won't be able to deal, so don't go anywhere. <laughs> like, nothing can happen to you. Um, because, I mean, this was, and I, I said that to him within hours of, of learning that Prince died. I can remember when David Bowie passed. I actually found out on the way home from a Madonna concert. Madonna was in town and me and my sister were at the show, and Madonna was not on time. uh, So the show went rather late. And I remember um, taking my sister, dropping my sister off and getting something to eat going through a drive-thru and i was hearing it over the radio and i'm like what does this, this can't be i just thought it was some kind of a hoax or i was like this just can't be right and i remember speeding home and turning on the tv and was just transfixed um by the news and was just you know oh my gosh of course i was like but, I- but Iman, you know, and, and, you know, their daughter and, and Duncan and, and their love story. I love David. I love, love, love David <laughs> Bowie and Iman. Like, I like I love, love, love the two of them and um, love their love. And, um, and they were was, both, they were both just so pretty. That's what I can <laughs> I was like, how are they both so pretty? <laughs> I mean, just stunning. Um, yeah. But you just always like whenever you saw them together and, and, and since then, you know, I follow her on Instagram. Instagram and and on social media and such and, and just the things that she's posted about them and just you just knew that their love story was, was the real deal and so I was so sad for her as well and then I was just sad for not only you know us as, as fans but just I just know so many David Bowie fans and so I just felt sad for the music community and and all of the people that have been influenced by this man, which is a lot of people, obviously. So, And, And our band, of course. I just knew how sad that they would be.
3: In the morning when I woke up in the morning ready for work and I saw it on my feed, newsfeed and it was the same kind of reaction like what wait this isn't isn't right and through later in the day I think my best friend and I reached out to each other at the same time and just because we were both like I said you know we were both fans we're like what's going on we were just so confused and shocked and and then the thoughts of Iman and his family and the band and just all these things were happening. It just it was just kinda of going through that whole week really in just this day. And and even like probably after it was just weird feeling. Like even when I woke up the next day, it was like it was like I had lost one of my own family members or something. Wake up, kinda of have that like millisecond millisecond of okay, you wake up and it's like okay and then it hits you and it's like oh, my you know, so, mm-hmm. and 2016 was just such a year of loss, too. Prince, other artists, and it was just almost unprecedented when mm-hmm. that happened. I mean, and since then, there's been, you know, last year, I think it was also significant There were mm-hmm. a lot of loss, but, um yeah, it was, it was very strange. And then, and then when Black Star came out, it was just so surreal, Was explicit. And that video, and, the video
1: for like, Lazarus. I you know, yeah, video. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I can kind of pinpoint moments in time around the sort of the same feeling that I had that day and the previous one for, and I'm thinking like for me and my husband because we don't necessarily have the same taste in music, but there are particular bands or people that, um, that we both, uh, uh admire. In my personal life, I, I remember John Lennon's death and then Kurt Cobain, and that was my husband and I, um, just completely devastated by that situation with Cobain. And I don't remember the two of us feeling the way that we did, like we did with Cobain, until David Bowie. And we collectively had to get out and be around other David Bowie fans the day that uh, we learned he died. We and a gazillion other people in Austin descended on different places around town. And everywhere you went for weeks, anytime you walked into a coffee shop or a restaurant or a store, all you would hear is, David. And that's that's significant. And that sticks with you because this person meant something to so many people for so many different reasons and we're here talking about him because we're all together because of this band that was influenced by him. That day was significant. Significant.
0: Jody, I have a question though. Yes. So you're talking about how y'all were both just so distraught over losing Kurt Cobain mm-hmm. but because Kurt Cobain did pass on, Dave went on to do the Foo Fighters, which is your other all-time favorite mm-hmm. band. So is no, it weird? Sure. I mean, you, you were so sad about Kurt but that birthed something that you love so much? I don't know. That just kind of popped
1: up my mind. Well, I, honestly, there is an the answer for that um Dave took a, a few months off of music couldn't do music and sat in a room by himself creating the, the first Foo Fighters record he wrote every single piece of music he recorded every single piece of that record on his own and um ended up putting a band together and went on tour and Ray and I collectively um were going to be at a Foo Fighters show to honor Kurt and um it kind of just Went from there, so I saw Foo on their very first tour in 1995.
0: So, I mean, that kind of birth, I mean, that tragedy broke something mm-hmm. amazing. And I mm-hmm. think in, in, with Bowie's passing, we can see how he left a legacy that has mm-hmm. left amazing things, too. So I think, you know, with the sadness and with the grieving, we can also then see just the journey and what other things can come from those, those times. And then last night, the show that y'all loved so much, just all these people that they, he had touched so so dearly. So.
1: Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think about Dee and her love of Nine Inch Nails. I like Nine Inch Nails, but I know, Dee, you love Trent Reznor. And his, his heart last night was one of my favorite pieces of everything yeah. he played last night. I was so I was grooving along with Trent and yeah. his wife
2: and kiss like, I'm yeah. being <laughs>
3: yeah exactly. was so good it was good it was good and i was really really good i was really curious that to, to, to i was very anxious to, to see what he was going to do and it was it was good to see this great to see him do two songs. yeah and he like bowie was a massive influence on him as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he not hasn't been a massive influence on any artist but level as, as duran and and of course, you know they toured together, and I actually saw that that show at, um, when they came to Austin, and that was that was pretty
1: amazing. Nice. Um, but yeah, it, it was good. It was really good. But well, if you think about it, we have 50 years of David Bowie music. 50 years of this music. So you're right, Suzanne. That's a legacy. An absolute legacy. Yeah. So, so
0: any any final thoughts to kind of wrap up our topic
1: for today? If anybody can find that interview where Simon says that uh, he write he makes some sort of nod to a Bowie reference in, in a bunch of the songs he writes, let me know because I would really like to see that again. And I and if anybody has any like specific examples that you'd like to share, just tell us on our Instagram page. I would yeah, love send to. Send it to us, us a Messenger. I'd love to see those connections.
0: One final question. Do we think Five Years is going to be included on the next album, or is it a one-off? Do we think they're going to put it in there? One-off. Uh, one-off, okay.
1: I think a one-off. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, everybody go download it. It's available now. What was the name of the, of the new record company,
1: guys? Oh, it's not new. It's just something I've only, only heard about recently. It's the Tape Modern label that Nick publishes music under. So T-A-P is in Peter E, Modern. Myth. Cool. Well, go download it, y'all. Yeah, because it's good.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Cherry Ice Cream Smile podcast. We are so glad you could hang out with us for a while. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and you can even find us if you ask Alexa. Make sure to also follow our Instagram page, too. See you again real soon.